Welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast, where we discuss all things human design and how it can support you and your spiritual journey. This is not a one-size-fits-all podcast. We are here to inspire awareness about how we are all different and help you answer the questions of who am I? What am I here to do? How am I here to do it? You can thrive and live the life of your dreams just by having awareness of your true self. So dive deep with us, get inspired, and start living your life on purpose. Hello, and welcome to the Day Luna Human Design Podcast with your host, Dana and Shana. Today, we have on a special guest, Michelle Pelazon from holisticism. I just want to make sure I said all of that right. She (laughs) is a 4-6 projector goddess, badass, intuitive queen, and we loved this conversation with her. Genuinely so inspiring, so just like good. Mm -hmm. She is good. She is the real deal, and we loved meeting her and getting to have this conversation. So I think you guys are going to love it. And obviously you can tell from the title of this episode, you know, it's intuitive business. And, you know, if you have a business, amazing. I think this is going to really help you to tap in more with your mission and tips for running your intuitive business. But even if you don't have a business, um, we talk about so many things that are applicable to the business of life, um, like limiting beliefs and um, how to really come at these more logical, practical things from this place of intuition and wisdom and spirit um, while still honoring the the need for the, that logic and that that observation and the practical solutions that are necessary in life and in business. So it's a really freaking fascinating episode. I'm probably going to listen to it n- numerous times. Yeah, definitely. I'm feeling so inspired after talking to her just about growth, you know, moving forward, having these tips and tools and this inspiration that all of the things that we've learned from Michelle, it really feels like an exciting time to have this new level of authenticity and intention as we grow forward and build our businesses or whatever it is in your life that you're building, um, which is, of course, in divine timing, because as this episode is airing, we'll just have experienced spring equinox. So it's this astrological new year, this time energetically where new things are blooming and new things are being birthed into the energy field. And, you know, we've come through, obviously we've been in such a a crazy experience in the last couple of years now. Um, And having just gone through this Mercury retrograde, it's felt like things were really slow. And, you know, you might have this inspiration to move forward, but physically everything in your life is telling you just hang in there, just get through this time, just be gentle on yourself. And um, I'm just feeling this whole new level of that kind of wrapping up those endings, wrapping up, really having had that time to look at, okay, in this last cycle, what do I want to let go of? What do I want to shed that's no longer serving me? And from that point of clarity, getting able to listen to this podcast episode with Michelle about intuitive business is just so inspiring about what we're wanting to grow and birth into this new cycle. So we invite you to kind of just take a second and think about if there's a cycle ending in your life, what has that been? And how can you be grateful for it? And how can you be proud of yourself for making it through it? And what are the things that you really have let go of or 
or want to let go of. And from this neutral place, come into this episode with that openness and that willingness of what in my life is wanting to grow and be reborn and reawakened. Mm-hmm. I am feeling the rebirth. I feel like spring has sprung, bitches. And I am like <laughs> ready to like poke my little plant head out of the soil. Um, <laughs> so I'm loving this spring equinox vibes. I hope that you guys are too. And you guys are going to love this episode as well. So without further ado, let's welcome on our guest for today, Michelle Pelazon of Holisticism. Thank you so much for being here. And um, how are you doing today? I I am. I'm, yeah. I'm doing well. You know, like, I feel like that's the answer. I learned that from my partner because sometimes you're doing medium, sometimes yeah. you're doing great, <laughs> but like you always are. So yeah. I like to say that I, today I am, but thanks for I having love me. I love and you it. got and my last name and holisticism right, which is like, it's not easy. The double L, the double easy. Z, it's a lot. So I know. I was that. wondering because we didn't ask you beforehand how to pronounce <laughs> that. And as Dana said it, I was like, shit, that <laughs> might be right or wrong. So amazing. <laughs> And I'm yeah. just feeling, I'm just feeling this, you know, three projectors all in one space, our energy just merging. So I was like, I'm going to channel her name right now, just from being connected in this energy. And so I'm you grateful I nailed it. Um, Projector power strikes again, man. It's just, yes. it's just right. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So if you could introduce yourself to our listeners, um, what is it that you do with holisticism? Yeah, so... Hi, I'm Michelle. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the founder and CEO of Holisticism. And Holisticism, our, our vision is to make wellness more accessible and inclusive to more people. And we do that a lot of ways. We provide resources and education and access to practitioners, to um, spiritual practices, to well-being practices. And we also, and sort of like the umbrella of what we do, one way that we can make wellness and well-being more accessible is by teaching more practitioners and facilitators and people who are in the wellness and well-being space how to run more effective, honestly, generative businesses, businesses that reach more people and have longevity that don't burn out like these super special healers and guides and um, teachers who this planet desperately needs right now, you know, just to, to share their message and to heal the world. So that's what we do. And I started the company four years ago. Actually, I worked in tech before this and I was a modern dancer before that. So I've had a lot of lives, but, um, I built a technical product to help wellness practitioners run the back ends of their businesses. So I built software and my intention was this, you know, if I could have more practitioners, reach more people. I was having them do virtual sessions on Zoom before before COVID, far before COVID. And then they could, you know, touch base with people in Oklahoma and India and London and be sitting at home in wherever they are, Arizona, LA, New York, and have such a greater reach and have such a deeper impact. And of course the business has sort of evolved and, and changed since then. We we don't have a technical product anymore, thank God. Um, but we still sort of facilitate that purpose. Wow. That is just like 
music to my ears hearing everything that you guys are doing because, you know, in our work with human design, a lot of our clients are starting their own businesses as a Reiki healer, as a dietitian, as a yoga teacher, as a human design reader. And, um, you know, that's the direction that we feel humanity moving into is this new paradigm, this divine feminine paradigm of our business is really needing to be centered in supporting the collective in this global healing and all of these things. And I think that for a lot of people that are intuitive and they're wanting to create their own business, they feel really hung up by some of the technical things. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that with what you guys do, you're kind of marrying that mystical side and giving that support and inspiration in that way. And then this super practical, grounded, like if we're wanting to move forward in a big way and act actually do this thing and affect change. We need both of those energies, that masculine and feminine to support us. So it's so beautiful. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what was your journey into the like wellness and well-being industry? What were the things in your life that kind of brought you into that direction? It's such a good question. Um, like everything, you know, I'm a Pisces <laughs> in astrology for a hot second. I'm a Pisces sun, cancer rising, Scorpio moon. So I have a lot of water in my chart. I'm a projector, obviously projector power here. Um, and I've always been into like the mystical, uh, ever since I was a little kid. But when I was 17, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. I started having these grand mal seizures out of the blue. I was a super healthy kid. So, um, it was really surprising and I didn't drink or do drugs, um, they just started happening. And I actually started, it was so weird. I started hearing voices before I would have a seizure. And I found out that I had temporal lobe damage, which is in the front of your brain and it affects your, um, how you hear. And so I was getting these auras before I'd have a seizure and I'd start hearing voices in my ears and I wouldn't be able to like place where they were coming from. And it felt like, a spiritual experience. It felt really scary. And I went and saw lots of doctors and no one could really tell me what the cause of my seizures was um, and why they had just come on so suddenly. It's not like I had head trauma or anything like that. So that got me into wellness because I got put on a really intense prescription drug that made me lose my short-term memory. It um, changed my personality and my mood. And at the time I was studying to become a professional ballet dancer and my whole life basically upended, you know, the, the pathway I thought I was going to go down got sort of swiped from me and I had to pick another pathway. And so I ended up going to school in New York and studying at NYU and becoming a modern dancer there. And while I was at NYU, you know, one of my professors was a Reiki master and I started to learn about nutrition and I started to learn about somatics and then like mind, body centering and mind, body, spirit And that sort of got me on the path. And eventually I met a practitioner who I saw once and I never had another seizure after seeing that person. And I was like, fuck, I guess this is real. So I guess I have to like actually do this and not be scared of it anymore because it was really scary. You know, I didn't grow up really in the sort of like wellness space. My mom saw psychics sometimes, but um, it wasn't something that we talked about or like that was normal. So yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a journey. And I think that like, that's something I really struggled with as a younger person of wanting to be taken seriously. Um, especially like as a small, young looking woman and really like being really smart in a lot of ways and having like the luck and the privilege to be able to go to a school like NYU 
and having people take me seriously because I could use my brain, right? Because I was so practical. And also having this like deeply spiritual side of me that didn't always make sense logically, but that there, my intuition was saying, this is the right thing to do. This is like, this is the answer. And trying to figure out how to make those two things work together and, and also like be a person was really hard in my twenties, I would say. Wow. That story is insane. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, you know, um, it's just, it's shocking to hear. And, and I think, I mean, I haven't seen your chart. Um, I don't know why I didn't, we didn't look at that beforehand, but I'm sure that you probably have the gate of shock and that, I don't know, do you, do you know if you have a defined spleen or not? I think I do. Yeah. I think I do. I would think so. So, but I mean, who knows? You could not, but it's, I mean, it kind of thrust you into this trajectory of having to marry the logical and the practical with the intuitive and the spiritual and listening to your body. I'm so curious what um, practice helped you to never have a seizure again. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know, I wish that I actually knew this person that I went to. The story is crazy. I had a teacher, right, who was a Reiki practitioner. And they recommended someone to me who recommended this shaman to me. (laughs) And they didn't have a website. I went to their like Brooklyn walk up, you know, it was like a regular apartment building. And I walked into their house, their apartment, and they like had me sit on a massage table. And I swear to you, I closed my eyes and I woke up like four hours later And I don't know. I don't like remember what happened. Um, They did like past life regression stuff. They did some past life healing and clearing. They did some energy work, but they didn't tell me like what type of work, like they didn't put a name to it. And I just walked out of that space thinking, I know I'm never going to have another seizure again. um, If I stay on my path, because I really think that my seizures are like, we're all finely tuned instruments. Right. And, um, some of us are a little bit more sensitive than others. Like we're little microchips. And if a little, like, you know, fleck of sand, a grain of sand gets in the microchip, then it breaks down. It's almost like, you know, I think some really highly intuitive and highly sensitive people when we're slightly off of our path or when we're like slightly out of alignment, the whole system begins to break down. And I think that that's what happens. My seizures are a symptom of that, that there's something out of alignment in my life. And when I get back on the path, I'm, I'm clear. Um, so I think that I, I walked out of that session. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, and I don't think I'm ever going to have another seizure again, as long as I stay really clear and knock on wood, you know, it's been, it's been a really long time since. Wow. That is beautiful. And I love that it was through a shaman and you don't even know how it happened. Um, because it's not like you went to a naturopath, you know, where they <laughs> right. gave you a bunch of supplements and then, you know, did some chiropractic stuff on you and right. something happened. Like you went to a shaman that didn't even have a website <laughs> and yes. they, they fixed I, you. That's I wish I could logic my way into it. You know, like yeah. every part of me wants to be like, it's because of the magnesium or it's because of the, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But and that was my, my, like, 
that moment too is like, I found this person through a friend of a friend of a friend. How fucking lucky did I get to be in this body, in this place with the privilege that I have, with the access that I have. And even, even then it took me so long to find someone who could help me. And one in 10 people have a seizure disorder. It's not uncommon. There are so many people out there who don't have answers the way that I didn't have answers and who are never going to get answers and who are always going to be on medication because it's the thing that's keeping them alive. And I just got so, so lucky and that felt so unfair on so many levels. And so I just wanted to create more access. And that was why I started holisticism, you know, a couple years later with that, that experience in mind of like, if more people could find this person who doesn't have a website, if this person had a website, like they could reach so many more people. If this person knew how to do marketing, if they knew how to like facilitate calls, they knew how to just like run their business a little more intuitively, then so many lives would be changed. And so that's, that's really like a big part of my purpose is to sort of bridge that gap for people like healers who, who are here to help others and, and to connect them to the people that they're here to help. Yeah. And honestly, it's incredible to witness you take this challenging experience and allow it to have the magic that it had for you of shifting your life and inspiring you to a whole new like mission and purpose. Like it all just feels so divine. Um, And a lot of it also feels like you stepping up and really being there, being present, being all in and allowing the things that came through to come through and to move you. I mean, it's just like such a powerful example of how something so challenging can be such a blessing from life and from our highest self and the universe to put us on this path that, you know, you're always meant to be on. So it's just really beautiful to witness you. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, and, and, you know, this whole idea of you having this passion to help these people who are really here to help, you know, the world become this better, more high vibe place with this idea of intuitive business and like an intuitive business owner. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously when you hear that it sparks a chord in you and instantly resonates for me, but I wanted to hear your explanation of what is an intuitive business. Well, I think all businesses are intuitive. Like whether (laughs) CEOs like it or not, like they're highly intuitive people. Mm -hmm. Steve Jobs was an asshole, but he was super intuitive, (laughs) right? Like, and so I think that when sometimes like when we use the word intuitive, we're like spiritual, um, psychic, and that's not, that's not false, but also like you're highly intuitive if if you're highly creative. You're highly intuitive if like you can listen to yourself, if you can innovate, if you can vi- be a visionary. And that doesn't always mean that we have to be like directly channeling from, you know, source or, or God or pulling tarot cards in order to like decide the next steps in our business. But a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of my personal practices when it comes to intuitive business are just that. They're using spiritual elements and and not having this like sort of separation between our spiritual selves, our intuitive selves, and our sort of logical business-oriented selves. They're, there doesn't need to be like a separation. We can cross this threshold and stand on either side, right? Of like the ordinary world and the special world, as Joseph Campbell says in The Hero's Journey, that's the purpose, right? That's why we go through the experience, that archetypal journey of like 
experiencing hardship and like having a dark night of the soul and then like revealing the gift, the gold in our shadows. It's so that we can dance between these two worlds, not just live solely in one or solely in another. And so for me, intuitive business is being able to understand and talk about things like money and revenue and what your business is going to look like, but also not being so rigid in like, you know, building Excel spreadsheets and PLs and that being the only thing that you think about. And also using things like the tarot and the Akashic records and your human design and astrology, and also like your deep sense of innate wisdom and understanding and, um, yeah, like magic, really magic in so many ways to live your life. So I call myself a business witch. I love that term. Um, And so much of, you know, what I'm hearing you say, and I'm sure it's reflected in your chart, is that that bridging the gap between the mind and the body, um, between the logical and the spiritual and the intuitive and the logical instincts that, you know, a lot of people connect with that word instincts. A lot of, you know, men, especially like, Mm -hmm. I'm not intuitive. And you're like, okay, but do you have instincts? I'm like, oh yeah, my instincts are great. (laughs) And (laughs) same thing. Um, but I'm sure that's such a big part of your life purpose. And it's such a big theme in human design in general is, Mm. is that, um, is that knowing your human design, you know, allows you to get your mind on board. It allows you to kind of make, make your intuitive, your body intuition, your spiritual, um, connection to life and all things make sense to your mind. So that way your mind can let go and you can have this beautiful relationship between both. Um, so with your journey, that's, it's so reflected in how, especially if you are so intuitive as you are, if you're only living from this place of your mind and making all these decisions of your mind, life literally said, no, Mm. we're going to stop you in your tracks until you marry the two. And we're going to do it in a way where you literally can't make sense of it. Like we're going to have exactly. it a shaman. <laughs> so that way you have to surrender to your body. You have to surrender to these deeper truths that are unseen um, mm. and only felt. So I just like, I'm so lit up and inspired by your story and just how you, how you got there. Um, and I love that you're helping other people do that because I've, I've definitely felt, especially in this, you know, wellness, spiritual industry that, um, things can always be really heavy sided where it's super spiritual, intuitive, connected, and there's no structure, right? Mm-hmm. Really having that yin and yang balance, I think is so important. Um, so I guess I wanted to ask you what, has it been like for you as a projector having a business and naturally you pair this masculine feminine energy, but what has that been like for you as this projector business owner? Mm. Yeah. I kind of like to use different words instead of masculine and feminine because mm. I'm like kind of not into the gender binary. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I know, I know what I, you, you're, I don't think there's anything wrong with that language at all. Yeah. And I'm like, I think of it more as like the container and the creative. So like we need a container, right? For our intuition to sort of be able to thrive. Just like when we're making art, I was a professional modern dancer and a choreograph, like I, I choreographed work. So um, in order to like make my best work, 
I couldn't just like have an empty studio and have someone be like, use whatever music you want, make it however long you want. You can do any dance moves. You have all, you have as long as you want to make the dance. I'd be like, I have no idea what to make. <laughs> like, I have no clue. I needed parameters. I needed some, some structure to that. Right. And so if I had something like, all right, you have to use this music or you can only lead with your left elbow. That's like every phrase is going to come from that. Or you have to make the dance in an hour and like, tough titties, dude, figure it out. You've got an hour to go do it. That's when my, that can creating that container for my creative self allowed that to sort of like blossom and grow. Right. It's just like when we have a garden and we have like a trellis, right. Then all of a sudden those plants, those vines can grow up. They have structure in which they can like get bigger and expand and and grow more quickly. And so I think I like to think of it in those two ways of like, what's my structure? What's my container? And what's my, what's like it holding? What's the creative inside of it? So if you want to use masculine and feminine, that's no, I love I that. Those, those work too. Yeah. No, I think that it's, um, it's a relanguaging that is needed right now. Um, as we're moving forward into this new paradigm. Um, yeah. I think that it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, I definitely think of it as, um, the, like there's so many different words for it, but like the logical and the the body wisdom, yeah. right? The brain versus the heart, and the yin also, and the yang, the ebb and the flow, that type of thing. But I really like the um, reframe here of of what you're explaining with this creating the container so that way creativity can flow and grow. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And also in human design, we use the phrase like left and right um, mm. because of the energy moving in your chart. So that left facing in your chart is the structure and mm. creating that structured parameter so that the right facing energies can flow within them. And it's almost cool. like if you don't have that structure, you waste some of that right facing energy, like it just dwindles and falls out. Um, yeah. And it's really like you can see different people need a different level of leftness and rightness to really be supported in their energy level. So mm. also when we talk about balance like it's really not about having equal parts it's about for you as an individual what is aligned for you how much of that Mm -hmm. leftness and rightness or structure and flow or you know container and creativity do you need and it's going to be unique to you I love that I think about this a lot in terms of like um when we're leveling up like we need a bigger container uh like if you're leveling up around like let's say maybe like leadership or responsibility. Like you want to start with a little, a little container of like, okay, I've got a little bit of leadership. And then eventually you outgrow that and you need to get a bigger container for that, whatever is creative inside or that growth inside to like expand and get bigger. Just like plants need, you know, they need to be like leveled up. Their pot needs to get bigger and bigger as they, they grow or else they stop growing. And so I love that sort of like, you've got to find what works for you. And, and maybe like, as you expand, you have to deepen or broaden the container. for that like creative juices to flow. But you asked about being a projector in business. And weirdly, I had my first human design reading the day that I launched Holisticism and I found out I was a projector. Wow. wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. It was loud. And I was so mad. I was like, what do you mean I have to nap? Like, what do you, I just started a business. Like, what do you mean I can only work? I'm, you know, I, I saw someone who was like, you can only work four hours a day. You're tired all the time. And I was like, I'm not tired all the time. She's like, you're tired all the time. And I was like, okay, I guess I am. I don't know. Like, um, it felt very like rigid and 
scary. Like, how am I ever going to re- be able to run a business if I can only work four hours a day? And if I have to, if I'm tired all the time and I can't pitch people, I can't, I have to just wait to be invited. I can't like go out and do things. I was such a almost, I mean, to my detriment in, in many ways, I was such a go-getter of like, oh, I'll get, I'll g- break through that wall and get into that room. If I have to like, you know, knock it down with my head, you know, I'll end up in the room. I might be like covered in blood <laughs> and I might have a concussion, but like, but I'm going to make it into the room. And I think that I'm glad that I had my reading on the very day I launched my business because it asked me to really slow down. And, um, that was really important in the beginning to just, I was so excited and I had so many things. And when you first begin, there's really no like wrong choice, right? You're like, I just have to like get this thing started. I need to just like start growing it. And you get overwhelmed with possibility and you get analysis paralysis because there's so many things to do. You got to set up the website and the branding and the Instagram and the email list and this, that, and make it an LLC and all the stuff. And by just slowing down, was able to go one step at a time and say, all right, what's the next best step? That's all I need to figure out. I don't need to figure out what this is going to look like five years down the road. I don't even need to figure out what this is going to look like in a year. I just need to decide what the best next step is for tomorrow and then wake up and do that again. And so sometimes the best next step for tomorrow meant closing my computer and like getting outside or actually like taking a longer break than that. Or sometimes it meant, you know, making a relationship with someone because I knew that that could potentially lead to an invitation for something deeper. And so I think it was really helpful when I got started and and also, um, I've definitely changed the way that I run my business as I've gotten to understand my design better since that moment. Yeah, I, I feel like for a lot of projectors, when you first hear that you have to wait for the invitation, it can feel really limiting. limiting. And um, especially for somebody who's such a go-getter and, and makes shit happen, um, that can feel really disempowering. And we Mm -hmm. talk about it all the time on this podcast, but you know, it's not meant to be. It's just talking about focusing on what you love and Mm -hmm. what's fascinating to you. Um, and really always bringing your energy back into focusing on what you're creating versus Mm -hmm. who, how can I get more people? Who can I reach out to? Who can I force this on? Um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it actually became really empowering after a while because I recognized that, you know, I I can't like convince people to love me, you know, that's not, I can't like show them. And that's what I had been trained to do. I think that's what so many women are trained to do, right. Is like show people how valuable you are, prove to them how important you are, prove to them how good you are. Um, Be so good. They can't ignore you. And I think we can kind of like take that and embody it in a negative way of like always trying to prove our worth to others before like just feeling our worth ourselves. And um, now I think of the be so good, they can't ignore you. It's like, I'm, I'm prolific, right? I want to be prolific in the work that I make and what I do. And it, I hope that it is so good. It is so resonant that um, it becomes impossible to ignore. It's not because I'm trying to break down the door. It's because I'm here minding my own business with my head down, doing my work. And it it's so true to the right people that they couldn't possibly ignore it. 
Yes. And that is exactly it. The door comes to you. (laughs) Literally, it does. And it sounds like impossible. How how can that be? But that's that's how your energy is designed to work is whatever Mm -hmm. you're focusing on, you're creating magnetism around. Mm -hmm. And when people see it, it's that if you are genuinely authentically lit up by what you're doing, people can't ignore it because they just want a part of that authenticity. It's mm-hmm. like, that is real shit. And mm-hmm. I I want to know more. And that's mm-hmm. that invitation. And that's when those invitations pour in. So it, I love how you, um, how you, how you put that. Um, well, and you guys are clearly so good at that too, with your podcast, like your two projector talk. I mean, your two projectors, do you have anyone else on your team who has any other energy? Oh yeah. Yeah. We have, <laughs> we have a team that handles like all of the physical side of our business and, and creating all of the, you know, just so much stuff. Yeah. We have a team for sure. Um, but they're incredible. Like, and what, mm. and one of our other team members is a projector as well. And oh. yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just about, you know, honoring their designs. And that's, that's our first and foremost thing with everything in our business is, if it's not honoring your design, then it's not going to help the business. It's not going to help other people mm. that are connecting with the things that you're that you're a part of. Like that is the most important thing is that mm. you know who you are, you know what your gifts are, and that you're honoring them. So the first thing that happens is they get a human design reading from us. <laughs> <laughs> And we tell them all their gifts and then, you know, have them use their authority with every task and thing that they take on. Um, So it's really amazing and beautiful. But but with the podcast, I mean, that being said, we're both two fours and we love Mm -hmm. that you're a four six. Um, (laughs) Being a four six or having a four in your profile in general, um, it's your authenticity is your key to success Mm. with everything that you do. So with this podcast, you know, we never edit it, even when we sound like idiots. And that's because (laughs) our podcast... I doubt you could ever sound like idiots. You really... I've listened to the podcast. I don't think you ever sound like idiots. Oh my God. the, The point is, is like, even if we do, people are like, oh my gosh, they sound like idiots. And so do I. And that's so relatable. I love them that they're idiots. I am too. Yeah, exactly. And that's how our energy is designed to work is like you being authentic. People, um, they see you and they feel like they know you and then they, they connect with everything that you're putting out there and they can really actually get the guidance and the healing from it. So anybody listening who has a two or a four or a six, um, be authentic in anything that you're doing. And if you're doing something where you just genuinely don't feel that authentic spark, um, or fascination, it's not going to reach that level of success. And, um, passion that you you might want it to mentally. So it's, it's so important. And I want to say that that authenticity is important for everyone. Like no matter Mm. what your design is, it's just that having a four in your profile, it's like the main thing that's attracting people. So it's like your Mm. main marketing tool is like sharing your authenticity. But honestly, I'm just seeing over and over again, the people that are we are all just so drawn to their message. Um, the people who've really become successful, it's like, 
what is so alluring about them is their alignment and their truth, Mm. like that capital T truth that you were talking about earlier. It's so apparent. And, you know, we as human beings, our body is like this meter, like literally we're able to measure, is this true for this person? Is it resonating as that alignment? And that might be subconscious for a lot of us. And for a lot of us, we're really starting to have awareness of it. But it's like, if you're not being honest and authentic and showing up in your business and your work and everything in your life with who all of yourself, that whole perspective, like we're all so multifaceted. And, you know, also what you were talking about earlier, if people feeling like they have to be somewhat disconnected from their business in that, mm-hmm. like their spiritual relationships and their intuition, like that's for one side of their life, living in the closet when they get at home. Um, and then with their, with their business, it's like, they have to show up in some way that is going to be received well because of our conditioning. And when we can break down that barrier and just show up as our full self, and let people see that. I mean, it is just like undeniably powerful and everyone Mm. is attracted to it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying. I mean, yeah. And being authentic is like, duh. I mean, (laughs) you you have to be like, how can you not? I mean, I just don't know how you could exist and not have authenticity in your life. Like it would be so demoralizing to have to wake up and try to be another person all the time. And, um, and I also recognize that like, we kind of live in this weird hologram where mm-hmm. we embody different archetypes, different characters, different personas based on who we're with. And they're not necessarily untrue. They're not necessarily inauthentic, right? Um, you know, I have so many different sort of like roles that I play, even in my partnership, in my romantic partnership, and sort of like different hats or, or different archetypes that I am to my partner given the day or the conversation or what we're up to. And that's something that I'm personally like kind of feeling into a little bit more because sometimes my authentic sort of persona, right? Who people know me to be um, because of the internet, that's actually like not the most authentic to me in every single moment. You know, sometimes I'm really sensitive and I, I come off a lot as like, hard charging and, you know, former New Yorker. And I say the fuck word a lot. And like, that's totally true. Yes. I'm all those things. But, um, I also am super, super sensitive, you know, like I cry at least once a day, I cry over TikTok, you know, like, and, um, and it's, it's, it's so interesting to just, we, we all contain multitudes. So how can we show those multitudes in the moments that we, that we, we want to, and also like sometimes keep some things to ourselves. Cause that's important too. Like not everything needs to be re- revealed to the whole world. So that's something I personally just like kind of am working with right now and maybe even grappling with like, how much do I show and how much do I not show? Yes. And you having this emotional wave, I mean, that oh, girl, the emotional wave, it <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> it's a whole journey in and of itself. I mean, the, and feeling that, and then, you know, being somebody who is, um, not accessible to a lot of people, but, but that you share yourself with a lot of people. Oh, I'm definitely Um, accessible. Like anyone, pretty much anyone can text me at it. And my, my phone number is public. So anyone can text me when they want. Oh, okay. Anyone can email me. Yeah. I have a giant community that I'm inside a lot. And so, yeah, that's something that I struggle with of like, I want to be so accessible, but I also need to protect my time and my energy and, you know, my, my creative space and like, make sure that I get my cup filled too. And it's, Gosh. it's tough. 
You are such a four six. I was thinking that too. I was like, there's the four and there's the six right there. Yeah, it really is. It's hard, you know? But yeah. And a lot of the messaging that we tell people in human design is, you know, we are designed to be multifaceted in Mm -hmm. so many ways, like almost in an infinite way, right? If you get to these Mm -hmm. higher planes of existence. Um, And sometimes we can really feel like, well, I'm this and I'm that. So I have to choose and I have to, you know, choose consciously in the moment. And sometimes it's really just about allowing yourself to just be. And, Mm. you know, we have all of these mental concepts that can be supportive. And then sometimes it's like, throw it all out the window and just be what you are in this moment. And Mm. sometimes it's helpful to have those mental concepts. Sometimes it's not. So also just giving yourself permission to like do what's natural and do what feels right. And um, yeah, it's interesting to hear about a lot of your experiences because we have this like one lens that we're obsessed with, which is like human design. And (laughs) I love that you have a lot of things, a lot of modalities that you guys work with and teach people about and educate people with. So I definitely want to get into some of that, but I wanted to ask you, I, I heard you talking on Instagram about creating goals with people's businesses and how important Mm -hmm. that is to create goals from a place of authenticity, of alignment, and not to be creating goals from your ego and only creating those goals because you think it's going to get you acceptance from other people. So I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about how you feel about that topic. Oh, I mean, like how much time do we have? Because (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of, I'm allergic to goals. Like I don't, I think that they like they like kind of objectively suck, you know, of like smart goals. They just they're so rigid and so often like we're motivated by external forces and factors of what looks good, what sounds good, what feels like maybe I'll be happy if I have that thing, right? Like, well, if I make 100k, maybe I'll maybe I'll be happy or a million dollars. Maybe that's why that person has glowing skin. Or maybe once I lose three pounds or five pounds or 20 pounds, or I look a certain way, or I'm married, or I have a kid, then I will be. And I don't like love that, obviously, um, because I think we keep moving. We inevitably as humans keep moving the goalposts. Um, It doesn't matter what, if we accomplish our goals, if we're searching for happiness in material things or in accomplishments, we rarely find it in those things. We often find it in the journey um, instead. And if we're so focused on the end point, then we can't really enjoy the process. At least I can't. I'll speak from the eye. I have a really hard time enjoying the process. So when I work with people on their goals for their business, we look at a couple different areas of intuitive business. I call them the four pillars, growth, revenue, retention, and impact. And so often in our businesses, we think only about growth and revenue, right? Because we're like, in order to have a business, you got to have money and you got to have people. And that, that makes sense. You do need those two things. But I think for your business to truly be intuitive, you need to think about retention, which is longevity and regeneration, right? So how can this work be regenerative as opposed to extractive and like single serving? So often um, I see practitioners who are like, I just need to get more new clients. I'm like, but what about all the people you've already worked with? Like, you just want to work with them once and then throw them away? Like, there has to be some sort of regenerative relationship that you can create there that's mutually beneficial for both of you. And sometimes that's really scary because when we work with people over a longer period of time or we deepen our relationship with them, um, we become, we take on some responsibility for their success and for their well-being. It's not hundred percent our responsibility, but it can be really intimidating and scary to have an emotional connection to someone and to be 
and to like, I don't know, maybe get tied up in the expectation of what we want the outcome to be for them. And I think a lot of practitioners keep people, their clients at an arm's length distance and don't want to create those depths of relationships. And they're really important, whether it's a service-based business you have, so you're a facilitator or a practitioner or a product-based business. Maybe you sell something like, I don't know, um, flower remedies or oils or something else, tarot cards. You know, retention in a product-based business means that you have clients who are coming back to you and buying that product over and over again on a consistent basis. And usually if we look at that metric, that tells us the health of your business. Because if people keep coming back for more, that means that number one, they're using that product enough that they're like they're done with it, right? Think about like your favorite face wash or your favorite beauty product. You go back to it over and over again because you love it and it makes you feel good. And anyone who's making something wants to make people feel that way, right? They want to be like the thing that you reach for that you absolutely love. So if we look at retention for a product-based business or a service-based business, it tells us a lot about the happiness quotient of our clients and our, our students or whoever we're working with. So we look at retention and retention goals. Those are often something that people overlook of like, well, what would that even mean? And then impact, which I think is the most important thing of that ends up being getting tacked on often at the end of the year of like, oh, fuck, I guess we have to like give some money away to, I don't know, a charity or a 501c3 um, as opposed to being ingrained in the DNA of your business. So what's your impact? Like, Why? Why are you doing this? I mean, sure to like maybe resource yourself and uh, have something to do all day long, but like there's got to be a deeper why. Because when shit gets really hard, and I think I expressed on this call before we started talking, like having a little bit of a hard week at work, when things get hard, why are you going to wake up and do it again? Like, why are you not going to unplug the internet and just be like, deuces, I'm out, I'm moving to a mountain, I don't want to do this anymore, it's been fun, it's been real, but I'm out. Like you have to have a why, you have to have something more. And so having that impact sort of built into the DNA of your business um, and thinking about like, how many people do I want to reach? How many people do I want to serve? Maybe like how many scholarships do I want to give? How do I want to change the system that I'm within for the better can um, be sort of like a driving force for you. So we want to take these like high minded things and sort of ground them down. And again, like think one step at a time. And so that's kind of where the goal goals come in, even though I'm kind of allergic to goals of like, well, where would we start? If we want to have this huge impact, what do I have right now that I can do? Like, where am I resourced? How can I give to others? One of my big impact goals is to invest in businesses and small business owners and especially marginalized business owners or people who experience marginalization who own businesses. And right now I don't have millions and millions of dollars to give to those business owners. But I have a lot, you know, I have like a lot of resource that I can give to other people. I have a lot of access that I can share with other people. I have a lot of connections and like those things are really valuable too. And so I shouldn't wait until I have millions of dollars in my bank account to start sharing with those practitioners or those business owners, right? I can start today. And, and so we have, and um, it's not complete. It's not like my penultimate vision, but like I'm taking the next step to get there. This is the best next step I can take right now. So um, yeah, I feel like I just totally word spaghetti on you. Does that make sense? Yes, it is. Um, I'm just in awe and I'm, I'm 
I love it because it's just so spot on. It's, you know, what is the next best step I can take today? I love that question and connecting with that why, because I think it's so tempting to get caught in the, um, the business side of, of everything. And, you know, oh, well, I have meetings today and I have this tomorrow and okay, what am I going to be doing next week and next month? And well, I have to do more outreach with this and Mm. all the things. Um, so, you know, connecting with that why and, and refining it as you go, um, I think is, is so important. I mean, one thing that we talk about a lot is, is getting really clear on what your missions are, um, Mm. within all the things that you're doing. So like, obviously as your business as a whole, like what's your, what's your mission, right? But, um, but in all the small little steps, like why is this important? Um, who is it impacting? Why is that important to you? And, um, I just love, I love everything you're doing. I'm like, yes. And more, please. Stop um, it. Stop <laughs> it. No, I agree with you. Like we, you know, we have like decision fatigue. I talk about this a lot with my students. Um, I love the book, like my new Testament and old Testament are essentialism and atomic habits. Those are like, those are my, my spiritual texts right now. And they're like, they're like productivity books. Like they're in the like boring business section of the bookstore, but they are totally spiritual. So give them a try. But the idea is like, you know, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You do have a human body, my friend, you are limited in this body, but you chose this, you chose these limitations. So, um, what can we do with what we've got? And if we know that like we can do anything, but we can't do everything, then we must be deliberate in our action. And um, we have decision fatigue because we have a million things in front of us at any given moment. And they are all amazing places we could invest our energy. I love TikTok. It would be an amazing place for me to hang out all day long and just watch dog videos. I would laugh. I would cry. It would be wonderful for me. And it would be great for TikTok, right? But I also have a business to run and a partner to hang out with and an actual real life dog that I probably should take care of. And all these other decisions, right? Of like how I can spend this moment on a phone call with you, right? On a phone call with my team, um, maybe by myself out in nature. And so something that I think this holds us back because we're like, there's so many choices. And so we start to act out of just like what we think we have to do and like, uh, then that, then we get this anxiety and then we're just like in our brain and we're not in our body and we're not like listening to our intuition. We're doing what we think is the right choice because everyone else is doing it. Everyone else is doing this, but it makes us feel so lost. And I think if we could just come back to in, in every moment, like what is your, what's your purpose? And does this next step or does this action serve your purpose? If it does great, take it. If it doesn't, don't do it. Seems simple. Like we get to choose as business owners between amazing opportunities in every single moment. Do I go and make a podcast? Do I go make a YouTube video? Do I go hang out on Instagram and talk to my community there? Those are objectively three great options to grow your business. But if you go back to what your value proposition is, so what do people pay you to do or your purpose? Why are you here? What's your sort of long-term vision? and you hold up your decisions against that lens or through that lens, then it makes it really, really easy to take the next best step. So, you know, my, my vision is to make wellness more accessible and inclusive, and I can talk about that. Right. And so to spend this time with you, 
this is one of the best decisions I could make all day. Easy, no brainer, because we're aligning on that and we're sharing this message with both of our audiences and more people need to hear it. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. It's, it's so helpful to know that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Like that is so helpful because I think we, we struggle with that a lot. Like sometimes you just get in this overwhelm of like, I'm so passionate and I want to help so much and I have no idea what to do. And there's too many things and there's 1 million options and you just talk yourself out of it. Um, and so it's about like keeping that expand expansion in a way that's really healthy and then grounding into your body. What do I want to do in this moment? And, and it really is, you know, so much of, understanding your design, even for us being a business owner is about that sustainability. Like how Mm. do I work toward this expanded, beautiful heart centered goal in a sustainable way, moment by moment, decision by decision, and really have it be real for me, right for me. Mm. And and I'm in this moment. So it's so I'm getting so many downloads listening to you talk. Um, And I also, you know, I really was curious to ask you about the Akashic Records. I know that that's something that you share and that you uh, help people to connect with to be able to help them in their business life. So I was wondering if you could start us off with explaining your version of what are the Akashic Records. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm a certified Akashic Records reader. And all that means is that I just spent a ton of time with my teacher reading and practicing the Akashic Records. Anyone can open their Akashic Records. And um, the Akashic Record is a modern term um, created by Helena Blavatsky in the early sort of spiritualist movement in the United States in like the early 1900s. Um, and there's like a, there's some not so great stuff that that movement did, uh, just specifically like cultural appropriation. You know, the word Akashic is a Sanskrit word for, um, like the material that makes up everything. And, uh, Helena Blavatsky was not (laughs) she didn't speak Sanskrit. She was a white lady from Russia, but she just loved this word and wanted to apply it to this practice. I I like to start there by saying, this is a modern term. This is a modern practice that sort of is applied to something ancient that so many, we, we guess, so many people have tapped into before us. And the Akashic record is just that next level plane where everything that has happened will happen or is going to happen is stored in um, almost every sort of like spiritual um, practice or I guess like not religion, but spiritual culture um, has something like this, this sort of etheric plane where there is information that can sort of be um, ingested or accessed to get answers about what could be. The way that I describe the Akashic Records and the way I think about them is in multiverse theory, the idea that there are multiple universes or infinite universes sort of sitting next to each other. And at any moment, we could have we could sort of pop into another universe if we wanted to. And so many of these universes, nothing is that different. Maybe the picture behind me is blue instead of white, or maybe my ring is on my middle finger instead of my pointer finger, and it doesn't really change the trajectory of my life. But sometimes the trajectory does change based off of a small action or decision and we have a different outcome at the end. So when we access our Akashic records, I like to think about sort of us sort of looking over all these multiple universes and we're seeing these possible like trajectories 
and the possible outcome that we will get if we decide to walk down that trajectory. And often our records show us the most likely outcome based on the trajectory that we're currently on, which means that we can always change our mind. We can change our destiny. We can change the outcome if we change our actions. So um, when we open our Akashic records, anyone can do it. You can use the pathway process prayer and I'll actually send you guys a link so you can put it in the show notes for a free download for um, anyone who's listening, who wants to practice opening their records. And yeah, it's really simple. You just, and it feels really different. I mean, I'm like the queen of skepticism. Um, And when I first heard about the records, I was like, okay, sounds like a cult and sounds (laughs) crazy. (laughs) And, um, my, I met my teacher, Helen Vonderheide, and she was so cool and so normal. And I was like, but you're normal. So, okay. Interesting. And I'd meditated a ton, obviously, and, you know, done some other spiritual stuff. And when I first opened my records, I was expecting it to be like when you feel super zened out when you've meditated. And it was not that it was something totally different. And I saw images and heard things and I knew things that I couldn't possibly have known about other people. And it really is you connecting to what we call your masters, teachers, and loved ones, your spiritual team, your unique spiritual team to give you information that comes from this Akashic record. So you can think about your MTLOs, your masters, teachers, and loved ones as sort of your translators of the Akashic record. And um, so they deliver the information to you in a way that you can understand And the coolest thing about the Akashic record is that it's the highest frequency of pure love. It's like what we all are made of. And so when we access the records, we're just remembering what we innately are. And um, they're, they're just really cool to work with because you can ask things as esoteric as, you know, what were my past lives to things as practical as what should my work schedule be this week to get the most done and to feel as healthy as possible. So I really like them for all those reasons. Wow. And is, how do you use this, you know, in your business and running your business? Do you ask things like that? Uh, Totally. How how do I run my week or how often do you check in with your Akashic records? You know, I used to almost every decision. I think that's kind of like what happens when you're, when you first enter spirituality and you don't quite trust your own intuition and your own intelligence. You're like, but there's someone who knows more than me because it like there's, they have more access to more information. So I should just ask them and defer to them kind of like when you like that teacher student relationship and um as you practice more you start to trust your own gut and your own self-knowledge but yeah i check in like every single time we launch a product or we just launched something new called the cusp where we sort of dive into wellness consumerism we we cover products and services and trends that are happening in the wellness space from a from a four perspective, which is very honest and authentic and sometimes, you know, like a little gritty on the outside. But um, to understand that, to like pull that through, I I did a huge reading with the records of like, what is this supposed to be? And what's the message? And what's the point? And why am I supposed to be in charge of it? Like, is this something that I should be giving to somebody else? And what, what should I charge for it? And what's the six month sort of like, goal or I guess like what's the vision for it in six months and where will this lead me and what do I need to know in order to like best serve because um I think that have you guys read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert yeah I have 
So good. So mm-hmm. I love how so she good. says like muse lands on your shoulder and whispers in your ear and is like, here's an idea, go for it. Mm-hmm. And you either do it or mm-hmm. muse goes to someone else and is like, that person ignored me. Would you like this brilliant idea? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's everything that comes through me. I'm like, why, why me? Like, why am I the one for this? Should I be the one for this? And I, I just want to know like how I can best serve that, that thing, that entity so that it like does what it's supposed to do here. So, you know, holisticism isn't mine. It's something that like I helped bring into the material world, but at some point it won't be mine anymore. It will outgrow me or I'll outgrow it. And someone else will be the better person to like sort of steward it and take it on. So I think the, like asking the Akashic records about that stuff really helps us and helps us be less precious as well with Mm -hmm. our work. Wow. That's so interesting. And yeah, you know, there's so many different spiritual modalities that I think can really help business owners just in general, because all of these things that resonate with you and give you that support, it's really just you tuning in to you. Like it's this, mm-hmm. these tools for divination that help you feel more confident and clear in, in what you already know. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes the, having these modalities, it's just so helpful because it really helps us like fine tune that. Whereas like before we could just be kind of, there's so many th- of those possibilities that we don't know how to like harness our energy to really find that truth for ourselves. Um, it's so cool to hear that. And, you know, with something that you were talking about asking the Akashic records, how much should I charge? for this. Um, that is a big thing. I think in our friend group that all work as business owners, um, when you create an offering for a lot of our experience and what we've observed with our friend group is that you have this amazing idea that you, that you channel and you get super excited about it and you use all of your different divination tools, like Oracle cards and all of the things you meditated on and you get really like, okay, this is real for me. This is right Mm -hmm. for me. I see how I'm going to help people with it. I see how I'm going to support people with it. And then what we've observed with our friends, the last thing is like, how much do I charge? And we're all like texting. We're all texting each other. Like, how much would you pay for this? I don't know. How much would you pay for that? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Pull a card for me. Ask ask your guides. Yeah. Yeah. And And it can feel like, you know, just in my personal experience, I'll speak for myself. That part can feel a little bit foreign to me. Like I feel very connected to why I'm giving this to someone, what I want to help them with. I feel very connected to my part in creating it. And then it's like, how much do I charge for it? And, you know, that money side of your business is obviously so important. It's that money that is facilitating your business and being able to have it grow and reach people. Um, People are being able to get access and you're able to continue providing these services or offerings because of that money. So I wanted to just kind of ask you, you know, quickly about what do you feel about that money aspect of our business and how can we start to just lean into that and address that any shadow that's there, any limiting beliefs that's there and really start to feel more empowered about that aspect of our business. Dana, I mean, do we have like three more hours? (laughs) We we could talk, I could talk about this stuff all day long. And the first thing I'll say is like, I'm no expert, right? I know what I know in this body and this identity that I hold. And I think that one thing that I just want to like say (laughs) um, is in the wellness world and the spiritual world, a lot of times money is sort of reduced down to just an energy, right? Money's just energy. How many times have you heard that? Mm -hmm. It's not just energy. It's so much more than that. 
there's trauma, there's pain, there's story, there's feeling, there's energy, there's spirit. There's so much to it. So, so much more complicated and nuanced than just being energy. And I remember hearing from someone, you know, well, money's just energy. So, you know, when you figure out energy, when you understand energetics, then you'll understand money. And I was like, that's not true. I know so many spiritual people who understand energy, trust me, who don't know a lot about money and don't get money. And so I just want to kind of like claim that of like, that's, there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you don't understand energy or spirituality if you have trouble with, with the financial aspect. And also like we live in a system that oppresses people because of their identities. We live under systemic oppression and we can talk about mindset and spiritual work around money. And that can be extremely helpful. There are also systems of oppression that exist that are going to keep people in poverty until we lift those systems of oppression, until we dismantle those systems of oppression. So money is not just energy and being able to acquire wealth is not just some sort of spiritual hat trick. It is both in the material and in the spiritual and in the energetic. So um, all that being said, I do think that there's mindset stuff around money that, that there's work that we can do, but not just mindset is going to get every single person to the place of being able to easily make lots of money. Um, and that's not to be like, you know, such a Debbie Downer boner killer about it, but I just want to be honest. Like we, we can't ignore systemic oppression when we talk about this topic. Is that tracking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. 100%. <laughs> okay. So I think that that being said, so often we need to look at like where, what is our relationship to the spirit of money? What is our relationship to money and resource? Do we believe that we should be well resourced for what we do? And if you, this is where sort of like systemic oppression kind of comes in. If we, you li- if you live in the United States, I'm, I'm in California. I think you guys are in the U.S. too, right? Mm-hmm. So we have been taught and told, and we have systems that tell us that you only deserve to be well resourced if you are a really hard worker, if you're a, a white person, if you have privilege, if you are cisgender, right? Um, and those are the only ways that you can like have be well resourced. And we equate, you know, having our needs met to like working our asses off or working ourselves into the grave. When in reality, like we should just by being, by virtue of existing, we should be able to have our needs met. We should be able to be well-resourced. We don't need to work ourselves to the bone in order to have a roof over our heads and have access to healthcare and to be able to send our kids to good schools and to rest (laughs) and to have time off. And for many of us, myself included, we don't even think about that as a given. We, we assume that like we have to earn being well-resourced when that's, I, I don't think that could be farther from the truth. I think we deserve to be well-resourced. Um, so that's like where I like to start a lot of the time when I'm talking about money with people. And then the next thing that I would just think about is, you know, you're not self-theme, right? So if we're talking about this through the lens of human design, if you put yourself, if you like sort of future cast to maybe being in the middle of a project or in the middle of offering a service or in the middle of making a, selling a digital course, 
And you put yourself in the very middle of that when it's like messy and hard and you're up late at night or you're getting like an angry email from a client or something. If you check in with yourself, what would be worth it in that moment where you're like, you know what? I can't be bitter about this because they are paying me five grand. So like, okay, I'll reply to this email or like, okay, um, yeah, I, I'll redo that graphic design. This is worth worth it for me. Um, I think that that's a really good sort of like gut check for ourselves of what would be worth it. And, and then finally, I, I just want to say that like self-worth and value, your value are not the same thing. So we are often also taught that if you raise your self-worth, then pricing will be easy to you and lots of money will flow your way. And that's not necessarily untrue. And I think that you should absolutely own your self-worth, but you are innately invaluable. I cannot put a value on you. So you are not equivalent. Your self-worth is not equivalent to the price that you like charge people because you are innately invaluable. You are infinitely valuable. I couldn't put a price on you. So I'm just... I like, I don't know if this is helpful because I'm basically saying things I don't like, but, but I think that like, um, they are, they trip us up a lot because we say like, well, I want to charge what I'm worth. Well, you are a human being. You are invaluable. Like you can't charge what you're worth because there's not enough money in the world to pay for you for what you're worth. So, um, I think it's more helpful instead to use frameworks of, well, in this moment for me, what will this work feel like? And also what is the energetic exchange that I'm going to get out of this work? So, you know, it's not always financial. It's not always fiscal. Sometimes the energetic exchange that we get is we get to have a new experience. Sometimes the energetic exchange is we get to grow our community or we get to get in front of more people. It doesn't always have to be financial. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I love so much of what you're saying. Um, And I felt all of these truths so resonantly in my own life and experience and observations. Um, And yeah, every time that a friend asks me that, you know, what should I price this? What is it worth? I always feel that same exact response of, if I had a million dollars, I would literally (laughs) give you a million dollars for this meditation (laughs) (laughs) meditation. It's not about like what it's worth. It's about, you know, what is, what do you want to, what makes it worth it to you? Mm -hmm. And, um, I love that question of, of picturing yourself like future casting and, um, and picturing, you know, what would make this worth it. And I just have to say, this is so nerdy of me, but I have been watching this show. That's all about like, magicians and witches and wizards and shit what show and is it it's called the magicians i don't recommend it because it's really gory <laughs> and, and like not high vibe at all but i'm into it so i don't care um but it's the this concept it has just come up recently in it that um you know just doing things because it's it's the right thing to do like and that sounds um simple. And that sounds like, well, yeah, duh, just be the good guy. Right. But it's not simple in everything that I've heard you say, you know, connecting with your, your why and that mission and hearing you talk about how, you know, my, my mission is to spread this and make this more accessible to everyone. So does that, 
that looks like me being able to support people with the resources that I have today, not when I reach that end goal. And I think that a lot of people, especially in business, it's all about, well, yeah, once I have a billion dollars, then I'll, you know, donate to some nonprofits. Mm. Um, and, or it's about how is this going to help benefit me? and my business and where I'm at. How is this going to equate to more revenue or to more followers or to more larger email lists or whatever? And I'm not saying that that's selfish, but it's not through the lens. I mean, there's a way to do it through the lens of what's my mission, what's the why, and a way to do it through the lens of, um, you know, a very like ego low kind of lack, almost lack mentality of I need more, I need more because I don't have enough. Um, so, and that's that good witch shit. Like, I just feel like you're like the good witch of the um, modeling how to, how to do all of these really complex things from a place of genuinely helping other people and seeing that reflected back in your own life and experience as well. So it's been an honor to witness you. And just so, I mean, us in our human design projector nerd hats, like (laughs) I could just study you all day long and I can't (laughs) wait to look at your chart. I know, I'm going to have to send it over. Yeah, I just have to see because (laughs) it's it's amazing. Mind is blown and just totally excited to share this with everyone listening. So where can people find you to connect with all of your offerings? Yeah. Find us at holisticism, um, uh, on Instagram and at holisticism.com. And then we have a community called the holisticism hub, which is like sort of our, it's on mighty networks. So it's kind of like this group community where we have tons of free classes and I'm actually, I'm not sure when this episode comes out, but I'm teaching a series of four free classes on intuitive business called Recession Proof Skills. And so they marry together sort of intuitive business and intuitive practices and sort of like business skills. So I know that the last year has been really hard for a lot of people and really challenging. And um, I just want to like, you know, share what I've learned the hard way with my, you know, my four life, um, and, and be the six and, and show you how to do it and apply it in your life. So I'm teaching four free classes over through the month of April. Um, they're going to be really fun. So hopefully people can join us. Yeah. This will be airing on Tuesday. So next week. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah, So the first one's next Friday. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) That's so awesome. I can't wait to dive into more and just learn more from you. Um, truly four, six aligned goddess projector. We're all, we're such kindred spirits. I love that because I've listened to your podcast and like, I hope they want to be friends with me, but now I like, I'm really glad that we all got along. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my God. I love it. Well, I just can't wait to keep going. And I think that that's that question that I'm going to really ruminate on um, after that in everything I do is what do I have now to offer? Mm. Not like, what am I trying to get to, to offer, but like, and reframing it of, it doesn't have to be money and donations. It can be resources and connections and wisdom and downloads, um, all of that. It's just so insanely valuable. So thank you 
for that. And yeah. And as you know, as always, you guys can connect with us at daylunalife.com or our Instagram at dayluna and just keep the conversation going.